Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor Podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Sue Barber. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today because I have an amazing interview with Mary Tess Rooney. She is a coach, the author of a book called Heart Value, and the host of a podcast called True Stride. I have to tell you that Mary Tess is one of my favorite people. She is a part of my book community that I talked about in episode two. And we are buds because we went on this book journey together. Mary Tess and I launched our books one week apart from each other. So we were accountability friends. We were helping each other through the process and asking questions. And I'm so beyond excited to have her here. Mary Tess, welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you for having me. And I could not have been blessed with a better partner in crime as we went through this self-published journey together. And now we're both visible. I mean, it's very kismet, I think. Well, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and tell them all about you and what you've been doing. Yeah. So I live in St. Augustine, Florida, which I love, but I was uh, born in New York, raised in Delaware, and then spent most of my adult life in Manhattan or in the boroughs, Queens, Long Island. And then I was in corporate America again for most of my life, working for Fortune 100 companies. I worked in sales and in training and I worked in communications. And that's sort of where I wrapped up my career as a communications executive and a strategic planning executive. And uh, I had a great gig, but there was a point in my career where all of a sudden I sort of had this wake up call to say, I think that I'm ready to shift my energy somewhere else. I felt like I had a book in me. I didn't fully understand what that meant in terms of what this book was about. But I knew that if I didn't start and follow my heart, that I would be missing opportunities that would really resonate with me. So I shifted my career path completely. And um, now I'm an author and a podcast host and a coach. And I'm just having so much fun just interacting with people like you. And it's like such a great new adventure for me. And I'm, I'm grateful that again, you and I met and we have a, a great book community and, and just all these people that are coming into my life now, just completely different from what I'm doing, but all of the value that I accrued, it just, it's been expansive and it's been such a great way for me to share what uh, is true to me with others and I can help them find their true stride too. I love that. And it's so interesting, right? We have had similar experiences, both of us spent so many years in corporate and then leaving to go to this new world of entrepreneurship and being a coach and now author and podcaster, both of us. So um, I have to tell you, Mary Tess has kind of been my idol. She started her podcast um, and I was a guest on her show and it was so much fun. And she just inspired me to do my own. So I'm so grateful to her for all of the learnings I have had from her. She's amazing. You talked a little bit about leaving corporate. How was that transition for you leaving from corporate into kind of starting your own business and having your own say in what you got to do every day? How was that transition for you? So it was a big transition. I'm not going to lie. When I first sort of had that inkling or something tugging at my heartstrings, 
I had two mortgages at the time. So I knew that, you know, I had a, it was a single family income. It was just me, I'm single. And I thought, okay, I am interested in pursuing what my heart is telling me to pursue, but financially it doesn't make sense. So I sort of had to put together like a little bit of a like five-year plan or I just said, okay, what what's one thing I can do this year? Okay, well this year, like let me get my coaching certificate. And even though I was doing coaching, I felt like let's, put some pieces together so I continue to feel empowered. Okay, let's sell one of the houses. And so it was a big departure. And then obviously when I sort of got my financial ducks in a row and started to explore this idea of authorship, I continued to learn and evolve because I didn't realize how expensive, you know, really investing in the type of books that we were doing. We wanted to do it right and have the right support and editing and development and, you know, cover design. So you know, I didn't realize all that was involved in terms of that adventure. But I just continued to plug along and say, you know what, there's never going to be an ideal time for me to follow my heart. And, and I'm in the best situation right now. And so I kind of took a a leap of faith and said, let's do it. And you know what, I could always get another job if I decided that this wasn't for me, if this wasn't the path. But since I've continued to commit, I've, I've never looked back and I don't, you know, I I don't have any regrets. I'm so glad that I made the leap. Well, I'm glad you made the leap too, because otherwise we wouldn't have met. (laughs) So let's talk about your book, Heart Value. And I have to tell the listeners that I was lucky enough to be a pre-reader of her book. And it is amazing. She has such great exercises in there, just ways to make you think about your life in a different way. So I'd love to have you share like What's behind heart value? Why was it important for you to write? Yeah, so as a communications executive, and I had the benefit of seeing how people voiced their value or how individuals would get rewarded and recognized for their contributions in the workplace. And so I would observe that there were certain people that were really good at tooting their own horn and they continually got the kudos and the praise. Uh, I noticed that there was other individuals that were from sort of this old school mentality, which I was a part of, where, you know, it wasn't classy to self-promote yourself or to toot your own horn. And so we kind of relied on our actions to speak louder than words. We trusted that we would get the the credit and the recognition if we just did our job and kind of kept our head down. But over the years, I noticed this big shift, right, where if you didn't speak up and voice your value, you did get overlooked, ignored, or outmaneuvered by more politically savvy people. And so that really like, that really hurt me. I felt like personally affected when that would happen to my colleagues or peers or, or people that I cared about or me. You know, there was uh, a couple situations where I found myself where I was so focused on getting the job done and moving on to the next big uh, corporate initiative that I missed out on like an award. And so all of a sudden I was like, wait a second here. We work really hard and we are passionate about contributing and adding value to this world. And so how do we make sure that we feel appreciated? And so I just saw this big disconnect between sharing our value and feeling appreciated. And I also noticed like everybody feels appreciated differently, right? I don't necessarily need the award or the big, you know, accolades, but I did want them to put it in my paycheck. <laughs> like I, you know, I worked in a sales organization, so I understood the value of money. Um, <laughs> of and course. I also really wanted that, you know, individual emotional and energetic connection with the people that I was serving. And so... I just realized that there is something about sharing value 
that energetically and emotionally lights us up and also benefits others. And so as I started to work on this book, this whole idea of heart-centered value came up and and heart-centered value is really, you know, and it's heart value is really that, you know, sharing and dropping into your heart to share value that energetically and emotionally lights you up. So it serves you as well as others. And so that's kind of how that evolved. And I'm so glad it it took that path so that people can feel appreciated in ways that matter. Yeah, it's interesting, right? There's so many overlaps between my book and your book. As I was reading your book, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I could see so many experiences that you had that I also had had and, and wrote about maybe a little slightly differently, but it's it's about being able to talk about what you're doing and let people see you and appreciate you. And I love that. I thought I was just so inspired when I read it and couldn't wait to get my own done after, <laughs> after I was reading yours. I'm like, I want to finish mine too. If our listeners are looking to see if Heart Value is, is the book for them, what would you say your ideal reader is and how will it help them? I think the ideal reader is really anyone who feels something tugging at their heartstrings or they feel a void in their current life. Like, you know, they're good at what they do. They know they make an impact. And so they they share value, but there's just that something that they feel like is missing or something that's calling them. I felt called to write a book, right? I couldn't explain it. It didn't make any logical sense. I didn't know any authors. We don't have any authors in my family. So I was like, what is this something? I don't understand it. But I knew it was important for me to follow it. And so I would say my ideal readers are those individuals that say, you know what, I think something is calling me or I think something's missing. And I want to explore that further. I also think that, you know, the readers that I've spoken to, what they have gotten out of it is this just permission to explore their life and really reflect on what is value that they're sharing that lights them up and what's value that maybe once did, but doesn't serve them anymore. And so again, they have the freedom to choose again. It is our value to choose whether or not we share it. And my mom, I actually included uh, her in the forward because she did, when she was reading the book, she kind of said, you know, sometimes we share value because it does serve others and it doesn't necessarily serve us. And sometimes we share value because it really um, lights us up, but it's very important to know the difference, right? And know why we're doing it and not just doing it to please others or to face external pressures, but to really understand that the value that we're sharing, it is ours to give generously or it's ours to sort of reinvigorate what we're passionate about. And, and we deserve that. You know, the other kind of concepts in the book that your listeners might relate to is I talk about prioritizing fun uh, because again, all of your uh, listeners are probably high achievers and they're interested in visibility, but we are really good at to-do lists and to making sure we get, again, things done that please others, but maybe make us feel drained inside. But can we shift that and make sure that we prioritize fun, that we are elevating our joy frequency and that we're just getting really honest with ourselves, just really honest looks of self-reflection and awareness so that we can feel connected um, as we move through this life because your listeners are the heart value experts on them. You and I are the heart value experts on ourselves and only we know what's right for ourselves. I love that. Your mom is really smart, right? Because just think about that. I don't think people always think about, I have a choice. 
because there's so much comparison going on and everybody thinks they need to be like everyone else and they don't realize that they have a choice not only to share it, but to keep it if they choose to. I love that. I think that's so, so amazing. Or to be transparent, right? There was something that happened the other day that uh, someone asked me for help with and I said, I will do this because I want to help you, but I just, I need you to know that this actually doesn't bring me joy, but I do have that skill set. I'm happy to share it with you in this instance, but I basically kind of wanted to like upfront contract, don't get used to this because I'm making an exception for you because I care about you, but you know, this, this is not something that brings me pleasure anymore. So, you know, happy to share this one time and then you figure out how to do it moving forward. So they chuckled, but they were grateful. They said, totally get it, you know? But I love that you're setting a boundary, right? This is one time I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to keep doing it. So, oh my gosh, I love that. If I asked you about the Feel, Choose, Act Amplifier, I know that's part of what you share with people so that they can go through that experience. How would you say it helps people? What do you think it does for them to go through that process? So in my corporate career, I had gotten really good at data and analytics, right? I mean, that's what we're required to. So we have to kind of operate from this headspace and logic and rationale. And, you know, we're always doing, okay, here are pros and cons and looking and evaluate options, which makes sense, right? But there was these different points in my career where, you know, we would lay out all of the the data. And then I would say, you know what, I, I think we need to go this way. I feel very intuitively that this is the right path. And sometimes I was able to follow that way. And sometimes, you know, they would uh, reevaluate and we would make different choices based on, again, feeling and uh, the logic side of things. And so what I discovered in myself, you know, time and time again, and sometimes I would chuckle because if, you know, we went along with the, the logical path and it didn't work out, I'd be like, yeah, I told, you know, you want to say, I told you so. But there is something in all of us that when we have a feeling, uh, we just at least need to be aware of it and we need to acknowledge it and honor it. And so, you know, there are so many times in my life where like, you know, for example, my mom was sort of chuckling. I decided I wanted to buy a van and sort of explore this whole van life thing. And it's just this feeling that I had that, you know, I don't want to have any regrets. And and so she was really struggling because it wasn't practical. It definitely wasn't financially prudent. And, but I just was like, mom, I, I feel like this is the right path for me. And and she said like, you know, well, you know, don't you think maybe you should wait a little? And I was like, you know, do you think this is going to be much easier if I'm in my fifties? Like what, like at what point mom do you think? And she started chuckling and she's like, you're right. I'm so sorry. And, and so I went and did it, but it, it feels right to me. It didn't make logical sense. Um, and, and I love it and I, I have fun with it. So the field choose act amplifier is really to get grounded in our feelings first and then evaluate choices that are available to us and then to implement action. So it sort of is this, you know, consistent practice that I really focus on to say, you know, what's the feeling that surfaces or what feeling do I want to achieve? So I could say, okay, you know, the fan represented freedom to me. I want to feel free, just, you know, I want to feel free and playful. And then what's the choices that are available? Uh, How can I take that heart-centered action? Because again, our heart gives us so much information if we choose to really listen and pay attention. And you can work in logic too, but at the end of the day, I want to feel connected to my path and feel connected to what resonates with me and and not apologize for it. Yeah, I talk to a lot of leaders about just trusting themselves 
because I think a lot of times they're listening to everyone else's input and feedback and it becomes really messy in their heads and they can't figure out what they actually believe. So I think your process would be really helpful to them, like just slow down and and go through that experience for yourself and say, who who is really the person here making a decision? Is it me or is it everybody else? And what do I really want to do with this? Love that too. Yeah. And it's funny, my mom, when I was younger, she would say, it took me forever to make a decision. Like I'm that person that I definitely process. I'm a processor. But uh, as soon as I made a decision, it was good as done. Like I would get from, you know, zero to a hundred lickety split. But I would, I almost would like take in the data and information and the logic. And then I would need to separate myself from everyone and go kind of dark or like isolate myself to go like, okay, so I have, you know, everyone else's input because everyone's well-intentioned. And I have you know, the logic, but like, what is it that I feel? Like what, uh, what feels right to me? Or what is it that I want? Like, what's my feeling goal that I'm trying to achieve? And then once you get there, it's like, I was always surprised at everything, like obstacles moved out of my way. Like once I was very clear on what felt right for me and I made that decision, it was like, okay, let's go done. So when you go off kind of on your own to do that, is there a process in any way that you like, do you journal? Do you meditate? Like what helps you get to those feelings for yourself? So on the my podcast, the True Stride podcast, I take listeners on this wise walk. So for me, it became this idea of um, adding movement and questions that helped me self-reflect, right? And the questions, you know, always sort of varied, but if I noticed a feeling in myself, I would, you know, just go like, oh, what's, what is that feeling about? Okay, well, you know, what is it that I really want? Or or sometimes you just notice something, right? You know, you could be uh, working with your manager and you can feel a disconnect and you kind of go like, okay, let me go on a wise walk. Let me create some movement so that my energy starts to shift because that doesn't feel right to me. And let me figure out what choices are available to me and what actions I can take so that I can shift that energy towards how I do want to feel. And then, you know, one of the choices that you might come up with is, okay, like I I am going to address this with my manager and kind of say, hey, I'm sort of noticing a disconnect. Do you feel that too? And see what they say, right? Or you might say, mm, I think this is a phase because maybe, you know, I think there's a reorg coming. Maybe the manager's just in a tough spot. I'm going to choose not to do anything. That feels most right to me. And so it's really just about, you know, constantly when we're in those situations, maybe we vent to a friend or maybe we have a trusted mentor or advisor or a coach and they might all have good advice for what they would do. But the Feel, Choose, Act amplifier, um, you know, for me, it's it's sort of a walking meditation where I ask myself questions to really go internal and see, okay, uh, what, what, what feels right to me? And then what choice and action am I going to take as a result of that? But journaling, I do journal a lot too. I journal in the mornings. So it's helpful when you do that. But I think that's a really important point that you just brought up about whether or not to address something that's happening with a manager and realize that it may not even be about you. It may be about a situation that they're going through. It has nothing to do with you. But I think a lot of people create stories in their head and assume or take it personally that it's about them. So it's a good thing to check in with yourself and see, do you want to do something about this? Do you want to actually have a direct conversation to address it? Which I think a lot of people avoid because they they may not like the confrontation or feeling that that might bring up some interesting conversation with their boss. But 
in the end, it might be the right thing to do and understand what's really going on. And only they know that. So it's it's all about, again, just connecting with that, that heart-centered feeling and then making informed choices and taking intentional action about that heart-centered feeling. So you've talked a little bit about journaling, about taking wise walks. Is there anything else that leaders could do? Because they're pulled in a bunch of different directions nowadays. Uh, a lot of things are coming at them. Is there anything else that they could do to really connect with themselves and their own value and realize how important that value is for them? I think one of the biggest thing is to prioritize fun. Uh, so often we, as leaders, will load our calendar with you know, objectives or, you know, you have results or you have deadlines and you're cramming it all in. But the reality is we are more productive and we're more, more, uh, will vibrate at a higher energetic frequency. So our value will come through in a much more impactful way if we take time to recharge and reset ourselves. And so, you know, I would encourage, you know, everyone listening, like, you know, minimum once a week, if you can, you know, once a day at minimum, like what brings you joy? What is something that just lights you up? And it could be, you know, hey, I'm going to have a a phone date with one of my friends that makes me laugh. And, you know, it's just a 20 minute check-in, but hey, or I'm going to, you know, there used to be this uh, email that I would get every day at 11 o'clock. And it was this uh, sort of a shopping conglomeration. I'm not even a big shopper, but it was like 11 o'clock every day. I knew like it just disconnected me from what I was doing and I would browse and I would look at random things that just, you know, were entertaining to me. Um, or, you know, it can be, you know, I want to I plan a, a date with my, you know, pet or child or significant other. And I want to make sure we connect or... I love physical activities. So once a week, I make sure I go horseback riding and I just realized a rock gym just opened up. So for me, it's like whatever it is that, you know, you that feel makes you feel, you know, vibrant, that really helps you kind of just ignite some more light and laughter in yourselves. When you take time for yourselves, you actually have more to give others. And so I would say, put in your calendar, schedule it and and be very intentional about it and don't don't give it up easily, right? I mean, I have a, a dear friend who she works out, you know, for almost two hours a day. That is her joy time. She doesn't compromise for it. And there was different times in my life where I was like, really, you can't move that? But then, you know, I learned that is really what helps her stay balanced. So... Whatever those sort of experiences or activities or outlets are for you to honor them with your full being and unapologetically uh, make sure that you do it. And then also you can pass that on to your children and your employees because you probably have a high driving team as well that you're leading. And if you show that you're all work and no play, then that is what they're going to think you value. And then they're going to get some burnout. So, you know, be the good role model and help everyone do this. Right, set the example. I love that for your family and for your team. I remember we, um, at one location I worked at, we dressed up for Halloween and we were the Brady Bunch and it was so much fun. Did we get a ton of work done? Absolutely, but it was a lot of fun to just take a half hour and get together as the Brady Bunch and show everybody. So culture is important, right? And fun can be a part of that. It doesn't mean you're not getting the work done. And I think people forget about that. So I love that reminder that everybody can think about now for themselves. So 
it makes sure you're putting some time on your calendar for some fun in your life. I think that's amazing. So I want to go through what I call rise up and be visible quick tips with you. So a couple of rapid fire questions that I wanted to ask you and have you fill in the blanks on a couple and just share your experience and what your thoughts are on others. So the first one is visibility is feeling seen and appreciated in ways that matter most. Do you have advice or a tip that you could share with listeners on what you have done to be visible? So I no longer shy away from uh, praise or kudos. I willingly, you know, if somebody says, Mare, like, this is really good. You made this. I'm like, yeah, I'm really good at that. You know, it's, so it's really about voicing your value and having fun with it. And it is disarming. So like my family will laugh because if they give me a compliment, I, I own it. And I go, yeah, I'm, I'm super talented at making soups. I am like the queen of soups. So I, you know, and and it's true. They, <laughs> they know it and they appreciate it. And then also I have fun with, with really owning that I contribute and and share something that lights me up in a way that touches them too. And so I would say the the big thing is, you know, don't be shy anymore. Don't, you know, accept the limelight when you are given it and really just step into your power. So reclaim your power. Just saying thank you and that I am good at it is something that is not easy for people. So that is a great example of how to do that, everyone. If you're not doing it, just recognize that you have so many strengths that are gifts yeah. and own them and be proud of them. Don't don't diminish them. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you've received that helped you the most? Uh, so one of the big ones was, um, I remember I was sitting um, at the executive table and there was something else going on that uh, was distract distracting from the meeting and it was like I could see it or I think women in particular are very observant and uh, I think there wasn't enough copies or something like that and so of course I'm of the ilk to say I could fix that really quickly like let me just go make some more copies or whatever it was Uh, but I had a leader that was sitting to my left and he sort of just grabbed my hand and said no you you have a seat at the table because we need your voice we don't need you to make copies And so I think the big thing is when you have a seat at the table, be present with that and don't let some of the other distractions that, you know, don't let whatever's in the Blackberry or I guess we're not even going to have Blackberries anymore, but whatever, (laughs) (laughs) Um, whatever is happening, don't just, don't let it distract from you from sharing your voice when you have the seat at the table, because you're, you're there for a reason, speak up and be present um, and that was a, just a really good lesson for me because you know what, they they got the copies or whatever it was that was a temporary distraction. And and then I was able to be fully present and um, and share my value in a way that was directly impacting that conversation. What a gift that manager gave you or that person sitting next to you gave you to not just let you get up yeah, and go do that. <laughs> that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, he did. He totally was like, no, sit down. I was like, oh, okay, you're right. So that was a gift. It is a gift. So all the listeners, if you have someone that you want to make sure has a seat at the table, try to make sure that they stay there. Okay. So I love to ask people what they're reading. So what book have you read recently that you would love and recommend to others? So um, I am reading a book right now about iodine. So I don't think I would recommend that for other people, (laughs) but um, I'm interested. There's like a, you know, 
I read a lot of health books as well as sort of uh, self-help books. And so, um, so I won't recommend iodine, but my, my favorite book uh, <laughs> that, that I always refer to is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And that has been a book that transformed my life. And um, I, it's 12 weeks of really focused attention on bringing out the artist within you. And so I highly recommend that. And, um, and there is a cool book on the, the iodine. Um, I think it's called <laughs> the iodine crisis. We can include yeah, that so if, if, if you'd like to, uh, if you'd give me the link, <laughs> we can include that for people. Yeah. I love the artist way too, because it's so, for those of you who haven't read it, it is a great, it, at the beginning, it talks about just trying to get everything that's in your head out of your head by writing and writing three pages every morning. That was so helpful to me so many times where I just had so much going on and just helps kind of clear out your head a little bit so you can focus on other things. Um, yeah, so that is an amazing book. Thanks for that recommendation. Okay, so I know you've been busy doing a lot of cool things. Are there any events or cool things that you want to share with the audience that you're going to be involved in that they might want to check out? So I would love for them to uh, check out my podcast if, uh, if it feels aligned to them. So that's the True Stride podcast. A new episode airs every Thursday. Um, and uh, other than that, I'm working on a couple speaking uh, gigs potentially, but I don't have anything on the calendar. So they should just uh, stay tuned to my website, marytessarooney.com um, for any updates that might serve them. And what's the best way for people to connect with you? Strictly your website? Are you any other social media you want them to know about? Yeah, so uh, I really enjoy uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. So those are probably my two top, but I am on um, I'm on Facebook too. The, my LinkedIn and Instagram is uh, Mary Tess Rooney. So that's easy to find. And I think my, uh, my Facebook is Mary Tess Rooney Buzz or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I can attest she is great at Instagram. She always puts out a nice audiogram about what's you know happening on her podcast and the guests that she has. So definitely check it out. I had such a great time and she's done, I don't know, how many episodes are you on now? What is your latest? I think we're on 77. Oh, wow. See, look. So she started way before me. So I have to catch up to her, but I am so excited to uh, just have you here. Thank you for joining. I'm so appreciative of your time and just being here and sharing all about heart value and what you're doing with your podcast. Uh, I think you're changing lives all the time and you're helping them reconnect with joy and fun and trusting themselves. And that is a gift that I think everyone can appreciate. Yes. Well, you are helping everyone be more visible because the more visible you are, then the more you're going to activate appreciation that you deserve. But people need to hear what lights you up and they need to hear how you want to share your value. And so um, I think it's amazing that you are empowering people to go after that and get the kudos and the recognition and the appreciation they deserve. So thank yes, you. Yes, we're both doing good things in the world for sure. That's amazing. Thanks so much. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Thank you, Mary Tess, for being here. And we will talk to you on the next Visibility Factor podcast. Yay, have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. 
find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.